Hola y bienvenidos a la Juices Wild Daily Hustle. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill Clark y Miguelito San Dieguito. But each and every single morning we come on here, we properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks, when we are juiceful, we are useful, and when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It is as simple as that. The yes, yes, yes is something that, look, I don't know exactly where it came from, other than the fact that I do remember Hunter Pence doing the yes, yes, yes thing. And I think within the Daily Hustle, it was brought to us by Kowalski. And I'm pretty sure it was a wrestler uh, that did it. Now, it was also a big party animal thing. When they would score a run, the dugout would turn to the crowd and yes, yes, yes. So anyhow, tonight at 5 p.m., Pacific time live here on No Filter Network. Hunter Pence, the Reverend, is going to join us for HP Unfiltered. I'm really looking forward to this. I reached out to him yesterday to see if he wanted to come on and fill in for Thrill uh, on the Deuces Wild show. And he's like, Look, I got a buddy in town, but could we do something tomorrow? I'm like, Yeah, let's go. So, Really looking forward to that. Real quick here, because before we get into the Daily Hustle, electronic email communication, and everything else, let's make sure we hit our title sponsor, our presenting sponsor, Bet Online. That's right. It is your top spot for all the NBA action with NFL, college football, and NHL in full swing. Bet online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to Bet Online today to get in on all the action. Don't forget to use the promo code Believe. Capital B, capital L, capital E, capital A, capital V. Believe is your promo code, and that will get you 50% uh, on your first deposit. It's a welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. I do not have an account yet, but as you guys know, I will not pimp the crack that I'm not smoking. So on that note, when I cross the California-Nevada border today. I will set up my bet online account. You can't do it in California, but we're so close to Nevada here that as soon as I cross the border today, I am going to set up a bet online account. Let's also, uh, please do not forget the great partners here at KT Tape. That's right. This is really simple shit where... Basically, you put the tape on, it lifts the skin up, it promotes blood flow to the area 
And then, of course, that decreases inflammation. It decreases any pains that you may be dealing with. This stuff is a savior. All the miles I put in, all the pickleball I've been playing lately, whenever I feel anything sore, I actually was going to fire on some right here. It's kind of like, a, I don't even know what you want to call it, but just a little stiffness, just something to get the blood flowing. So that's KT Tape. Use the promo code. I always love trying to figure this out right there somewhere. That's the QR code. That'll get you dialed in with all the products you need. And then lastly here, hold on. Because I got to dig into my stash. This is Verge. This is some of the best shit if you have focus or concentration issues, if your kids do. Look, I gave it the biscuit the other day. It was dealing with a little bit of a sore throat as well. It's the honey. It's the lemon. And he's like, man, daddy, it made it feel better. So uh, tryverge.com is the website if you want to learn more about it. This is my second verge of the day. I ripped through about four of these a day. So talk to my boy, Jory, over there. He'll take good care of you. Tell him that I sent you and salute. Okay, now to something that, We've been talking about for the past couple of days. My mom was blowing me up this morning. And I'll even share this communication with you guys. I have no problem. I think it's really important. So my mom is Bay Area, not a life, but she grew up in Southern California. But she's really bullish on the Bay Area. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, why would she be? It's one of those beautiful places on earth. Uh, to live, not to mention it's the technology capital of the world. It's one of the most innovative places on earth. And she apparently was upset that I was, quote unquote, bashing the Bay Area. And I think that everybody needs to understand I'm not bashing the Bay Area. I'm bashing the politics and the policies that run the Bay Area that have facilitated and fostered a lawless environment. That is my big issue with all of this. So if you're just joining today, you did not catch yesterday's show. I was in the Apple store when it got ransacked by four masked men. I did hear, I do not have confirmation yet, that they potentially were arrested in San Francisco. I don't know. So there's so many different ways to look at this thing. One of them being is, look, the policies are in place to protect the citizens. And my argument to that would be, how is allowing this to continue to go on protecting innocent customers in your store? You have no idea what these dudes are packing. You have no idea what sort of irrational move that they could make. Obviously, they're making one already by robbing the store. So if you continue to let this go on and this becomes a weekly or biweekly occurrence like it has 
not only in the Bay Area, this isn't the only place this is happening. It's happening around the country, but specifically in the Bay Area, they have very uh, specific policies about the apprehension of criminals. Well, one of the big issues that I have with it is like, okay, we're trying to keep the customer safe, the employees safe. Sure. Tell me what is safe about allowing a car to rip down University Avenue at 100 fucking miles per hour. There's nothing safe about that. That, as a matter of fact, is more dangerous than if they were to tase the motherfucker that broke in to the Apple store. At some point, the deterrent needs to be there. This is all about the book of crime and punishment. If you don't have a punishment that is greater than the crime, then people are going to go ahead and continue to commit the crime. They're not scared of the consequence. But when we're able to go ahead and give them a consequence, and there's something there that's like, oh, shit, okay, this is, this is if, if I'm going to go in there, and I use, look, I don't know if the taser is the right answer. I don't even know how it works. But if I'm going to go in there and all of a sudden I'm in for a fight, like, okay, you know, now, now I'm in trouble where I have to worry about not making it out of there. I'm, I'm trying to think from the criminal's perspective. So my mom was trying to defend the Bay Area, basically saying that's not the only place that it happens. And I do agree with her, but it does happen there. So before I try to fix all of the world's problems, let's try to fix the problems in our own backyard. Let's clean our closet first before we start worrying about everybody else's. Now, there's been hundreds and hundreds of comments on the two posts that we had about this yesterday. And a lot of them really good. A lot of them referencing the mass exodus out of California. A lot of them just, a, a lot of officers too. I like hearing their perspective because basically what they're saying is that their hands are tied in this situation. So anyhow, uh, let's go to the Daily Hustle electronic email communication before we get into a few articles that I found interesting, uh, including the California's moving to Texas, the 200-pound monster snake captured in Florida, the 11 habits of highly successful people, the top free agents, and where they may end up, as well as Colonel Sanders, that's right, Colonel fucking Sanders from Kentucky Fried Chicken. He had a hex, apparently, on a Japanese baseball team that finally ended and is prime time headed to the NFL. But for now, the DH. Buenos dias and happy hump day. Today is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. Daily Hustle, quote of the day. It's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. Roy Disney. Daily Hustle translation. We are all forced with tough decisions in life. It's only human for us to contemplate the consequences, good and bad, of our choices. Ultimately, what we do determines who we are. If we say all the right things and act like a piece of shit, guess what? You're a piece of shit. <laughs> we all make choices along the way, 
And from those choices, we create a value system. It can be a vicious or a beautiful cycle. Bad values lead to bad decisions. The same way good values lead to good decisions and good decisions reinforce great values. Reflecting back upon yesterday's daily hustle, when I was about six, I decided to take the peanut butter and chocolate candy out of the bucket you could open at Robert's Market in Woodside. Before I could put my mouth, put the chocolate in my mouth, I was promptly sprayed by an employee manning the vegetable hose. I never stole again. And that worker at Roberts helped me establish a strong core, unwavering value not to steal no matter how minute of a theft it may be. Not only did I learn that it wasn't right, I also learned the consequences of getting sprayed and embarrassed in front of an entire store far outweighed the reward of eating a little chocolate. The issue in today's world is that we have created a government and society that have established minimal consequences for the thieves' actions, and the reward far outweighs any potential punishment. This lawless behavior will continue at a rapidly growing rate until we wake the fuck up and figure out how to implement a real deterrent, such as a taser up their ass, to prevent wide-scale lawless behavior and theft. Stay vigilant out there, folks. Okay. It's pretty simple. (laughs) We, as a society have got to got to implement some kind of deterrent because otherwise this is going to continue. And what's going to happen, as I was mentioning to my mom, is that retail in, let's just start with the San Francisco Bay Area, it's going to shut down. Done. Why would they possibly continue? Now, then... <laughs> My wife made this great point yesterday. She goes, well, then where do you think the theft is going to go? Amazon drivers. All the people delivering the same sort of goods. And apparently it already happens. FedEx drivers getting held up. But, okay, then the next thing comes to light. Then how are they going to travel around? Like Brinks fucking trucks. Security guards, two people going in at a time. That's how it's going to happen. That's how you prevent it. Okay, the Californians moving to Texas. I just thought this was a fitting article today on the Daily Hustle. It says, droves of Californians are moving to Texas. Here's the life they're finding. About 60,000 more people moved from California to Texas than the other way in 2022. Experts point to housing, taxes, and politics as being the top Three reasons. Jane Jordan, 61, was a lifelong Californian until August. 61. You know what it takes to move at 61? I mean, by that point in your life, you're like, fuck it. I've dealt with this my whole life, right? I'm good. Uh Uh-uh. Not Jane Jordan. She sold her home in Corona and moved to Axel, Texas. Jordan wanted to stay close to her daughter and grandchildren who are planning to move from Irvine to the Lone Star State next year in order to buy a home. When she joined a Facebook group of California migrants to Texas, 
She found a community willing to help her choose the right moving company and weigh in on which route to take for her 1,300-mile journey. She soon found, though, that the Facebook group that her neighbor across the street in Axel also had moved from the same neighborhood in Corona. It's a small world, Jordan said. A lot of people from California are moving here. Jordan's move is reflective of a larger trend for California, which has seen more residents moving out over the last few years than new people moving in. In 2022, 818,000 Californians left for other states. Let's just start there. Almost a million fucking people left the state of California. Wake up. What are we doing? Newsom, we got to stop this, bro. Please. A million people, damn near a million people at least, are leaving the state. You can't just keep letting this happen. Figure it out. Whether it's the taxes, the politics, I mean, it's, it's all of it. It's everything. The whole thing needs to be completely restructured. So as much as I, and I do, I love my mom. And she's saying the same. She's like, that's just the barrier. It's not, no, it's not the barrier. It is California. And it's the horrific policies that California has. It's, it, it's sad, beyond sad, because I don't want to say I'm a California apologist. It's not the right word. I don't have to be an apologist about the greatest state in the world. The topography here between the mountains and the ocean and the flatlands of the Central Valley, we have everything. There's nothing we don't have here in the state of California. We have the lakes. We have the ocean. We have the snow. We have everything. But yet, almost a million people are leaving every single year. That's a fucking problem. Simple as that. You know what else is a problem? A 200-pound monster snake captured in Florida. This is a good one. Conservation Conservationalist Mike Elberbeam was a Big Cypress National Preserve in Florida. Was at Big Cypress National Preserve in Florida with his teen son hunting for pythons. You hunt for these fuckers? When they both spotted the largest snake they'd ever seen slithering across the gravel road. It was more than a snake. It was a monster. <laughs> oh, uh, it said there's a, it's a 729,000 acre preserve, but they never seen a snake that large. Three other hunters, Trey Barber, Carter, Gavlock, and Holden Hunter, saw the snake at the same time. There was no way to miss a snake. Sounds like it. So let's just take a look at this bad boy. I mean... My goodness. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, by the way, we film this live Monday through Friday, typically around 8 a.m. This morning, as I see people pouring into the live stream right now, good morning to everybody. We started on time probably for the first time in, I don't know, ever. I usually will set the show for about 8. I might get there at 8.15, 8.30. Haven't been consistent with that because it's really more about the creation uh, of the pod and then sending it out. But I think the great thing about No Filter Network just in general is the ability to communicate, fire away in the chat, whatever. So this Python 
uh, was, I, I guess, kill. I mean, I don't get it. Like, let's go snake hunting. Huh. I, yeah, sure. Okay. This is what I've been wanting to get to for a, a few days now. First and foremost, we're a life optimization podcast. Look, baseball and life optimization is at the top of our list and what we do. So there was this article I saw a few days ago. And it was all about 11 little habits that successful, highly successful people practice every day. It says we often celebrate gifted kids in school, natural athletes in sports, and child prodigies in music. But you don't have to be a wonder kid to achieve success. As an organizational psychologist, I've spent much of my career studying the forces that fuel our progress. I've found that the learning process isn't finished when we acquire knowledge. It's complete when we consistently apply that knowledge. Think about that. That's true. The learning process is not finished when we acquire knowledge. It's complete when we consistently apply that knowledge and i'm going to take this a step further and say it's not complete until you apply and then pass on that knowledge that my friends is what we should be living for so here they are the 11 habits of highly successful people number one they seek discomfort hmm Instead of just striving to learn, aim to feel uncomfortable, pursuing discomfort sets you on a faster path to growth. If you want to get it right, it has to feel wrong first. So true. So true. Number two, they set a mistake budget to encourage trial and error, set a goal for the minimum number of mistakes you want to make per day or per week. When you expect to stumble, you ruminate about it less and improve more. Okay, I'm going to take these first two real quick. And I'm going to apply it back to my life of pickleball right now. The first one, discomfort. There's nothing more uncomfortable than walking into a gym full of people playing pickleball and then you trying to mix into the game, especially before your game is top notch. So I went through that process, including playing in a tournament early on where I got pickled two games in a row. Rhett LaRocca and I did. We got our asses kicked. But do you realize how much we learned from going through that uncomfortable position? Eventually, that allowed me to be able to up my game tremendously. And then the second thing here is that it says they make a mistake budget. Okay. I 100% every single game. And this was earlier on too when I wasn't as good, but we would say three unforced errors a game. Now I would lower that total to like one. Three unforced errors a game. That's it. You have three strikes that are completely unforced. Now, if a guy hits a good shot, it's at my feet, and I pick it like this. That's not on force. That was a hell of a shot. I'm talking, I have an easy shot, whether it's a kill or I'm going to drive from the baseline. 
That right there is a shot that needs to be made. But I would set that budget at three. So I love the first two already. Number three, it says they ask for advice, not feedback. Think about that. Like, I don't need fucking feedback. I don't. I know whether or not it was good or bad. I'll bring this one back to baseball because I was not looking for praise. I was looking for information that potentially could help me, good, bad, or ugly. So if I made it out, I didn't need comfort. I needed something specific like, yo, dude, I like the way you attack the ball. It seemed like you were right on it, Just, you know, whatever it is. But it's not the praise that I'm looking for. Or excuse me, it's not the feedback that I'm looking for. I'm looking for something of value that maybe somebody else has to offer me. And it goes to a post that I put up there this morning on my story time on Instagram. Please go check it out if you haven't already. But basically, it was this dude talking about the advice, or excuse me, not advice, but the praise that we give children. And he's saying that there was a study that when we praise the intelligence of children, you're so smart, you're so pretty, you're so this, you're so that, you're so great, as opposed to praising the effort of those children, the effort group went like this, way up when it came to future performance, the quote unquote, Praising the intelligence, the, the ability, whatever, went straight down. Why? Because when you praise how pretty and smart and everything, you get complacency. And you think that all these things exist. Well, guess what? You need to fucking work for them. You have to put the effort in. And so when someone praises your effort, what do you do more of? Effort. You put more into it. Absolutely love that. And was one of those instinctual, I got to get this up on IG and share. All part of the learning process, right? Because it's number one, learning that the praising effort is a lot more valuable than praising intelligence. And then number two, applying it. So say, I will apply it to my own children. I'll apply it to the Let Them Play Kids this weekend. And then number three is passing that on to you guys. Okay, number four here. It says they figure out which sources to trust. Decide what information is worth absorbing and which should be filtered out. Listen to the coaches who have relevant expertise, credibility. Know you well, familiarity, and want what's best for you. They care. You got to find those people. You really do. I think number one, you got to find an expert in the field and someone that you trust because not all experts are for you. Not all coaches are for you. Someone that knows you well. Look, when I'm dealing with kids and I'm trying to teach them different things, say about the swing, I have a universal okay, let's go A to B. Firm base, 
keep it simple, load early, see the ball in the pitcher's hand. These are all things, are keys that I give each kid. But then I'll use my own kid, for example, where I could see something that he does. Like the other day, he went from his standard leg kick and now he was trying to toe tap. And I'm like, bro, we have to be consistent with this. It's really important. Then there was one at bat where some come up with another bat. I mean, it's a kid. That's what kids do, right? Um, my point to him was in life, one of the ways that you see the most successful people continue to be successful is the consistency in their character, in their setup, in their load. And I'm just talking about a hitter, for example. There's little changes and subtle changes that may happen, but we barely notice them. If you saw me hit, now I made some dramatic changes at different points throughout the course of my career. And I'm not saying that there are times that definitely call for that. But knowing the kid and knowing what they normally do is really important. So if, for another example, I'll use Gianni, where Gianni is freaking stud. He has this thing like this, and he gets he has this nice, it's almost like the shoulder here to, for his load. Well, if he's doing this late, he's in trouble. If he's doing this on time, I, I call I call it uncomfortably early for him. When he gets in that uncomfortably early where he's almost waiting a second, now he's dialed in and ready to go. So you have to have familiarity with each and every single person that you're going to work with. Or if you're looking for someone to work with, make sure that they are familiar with you. Number five, they strive for excellence, not perfection. Progress comes from maintaining high standards, not eliminating every flaw. Identifying some shortcomings that you can't accept, consider where you truly need the best, where you can settle for good enough. It's not about being perfect. It's about improvements and it's about getting better and it's about working to be a little less terrible than we were the day before. Number six, they are their own last judge. Yep. It's better to disappoint others than to disappoint yourself before you release something to the world assess whether it represents you well if this was the only work people saw of yours would you be proud of it this goes along the lines of show me how you do anything and i will show you how you do everything number seven they turn the daily grind into a source of daily joy hmm. to maintain harmonious passion Design practice around deliberate play. Set up fun skill-building challenges like Steph Curry trying to score 21 points in a minute or medical residents honing their nonverbal communication skills by using nonsense words to improve comedy games. I really like that. Yeah. Life's a game. We got to make it a game. We got to make it fun. We have to make it where we're challenging ourselves in a different way every day. I thought about it just in my life and all the things that I'm passionate about and whether that's baseball, it's broadcasting, obviously family, it's coaching. 
it's endurance sports and you know now with the pickleball the key is how do you keep all these fresh and i think at times you need to prioritize your passion where endurance sports would be at the top of my list for passion i think now would take more of a backseat to the pickleball thing only in the sense that look i'm still getting my 20 miles in a day but when i have a time to carve out say two hours out of the day it's not necessarily going to be dedicated to swimming and biking where i know i'm going to get my run in but all of that other say time i used to swim and bike when i was doing triathlon is now spent on the pickleball court so i think prioritizing your priorities and your passion is a really big thing as well uh and make sure it's fun when it's not fun just fuck it it's over it's over just it's not say over but figure out a way to make it fun number eight here when they're stuck, they back up to move forward. And by the way, you're just joining this. This is the 11 habits of highly successful people. It says, when you hit a dead end, it might be time to turn around and find a new path. It feels like regressing, but it's often the only way to find a route to progress. Sometimes you got to go back. Not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. But this, the key is, Figuring out when that time is that you got to find a new route. Number nine, they teach what they want to learn. Oh, this is so good. The best way to learn something is to teach it. It's like hitting. I feel like I am a better hitter now than I've ever been. Why? Because I've been teaching hitting for the past 10 years. That's it. I wish I taught hitting when I played. This is actually when you simplify the process. And if you listen to your own advice, I promise you, you'd be a lot better hitter than you actually are. It says you understand it better after you explain it and you remember it better after you take the time to recall it. You can do this in groups with each member teaching a distinct skill or slice of information. Okay, number 10 here. They open doors for people who are underrated and overlooked. Huh, I, I can't tell you how this one touches my heart. And I say this because as a startup that no filter and the grind that Giuseppe Pepe Manueli and I have endured over the past couple of years, the people within the technology industry and other entrepreneurs who took a chance on us, it, it like, I just have the chills right now. Those are the people that didn't have to. We weren't this totally normal partnership of dudes trying to basically reinvent the broadcast industry. But we had a lot of people believe, on us, believe in us when others would have easily overlooked what we were doing. And I appreciate the commitment still uh, of those people. And we just recently signed on with this company that has, without going into too much details, but basically 
they're here to help us grow. And they have an extreme belief in us the same way we have a belief in ourselves. And so to get their backing and to have them believe in this, you know, as much as we do, it's everything. Well, guess what? I can't tell you how many times we were quote unquote underrated or overlooked in this scenario. It says create systems that invest in and create opportunities for all, not just gifted students or high potential employees. A good system gives underdogs and late bloomers the chance to show how far they've come. This has let them play baseball too. This is an opportunity to try to create an environment that we let the kids come play for free. This isn't about a business. It's just, look, it's about trying to give every kid the rightful opportunity to play. And then ultimately what's that doing? It's getting the best players playing. And it's also allowing these other kids, and this is our coaching philosophy, it's allowing them to develop without micromanaging the situation. Okay, number 11, they engage in mental time travel. When you're struggling to appreciate your progress, consider how your past self would view your current achievements. If you knew five years ago what you'd accomplish now, how proud would you have been? Huh. Look, this is, is this Adam Grant? Holy shit. Yeah. Adam Grant wrote this. Adam Grant's a savage. It says Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist and professor at the Wharton School of University of Pennsylvania. He's also the best-selling author of Think Again, Give and Take, Originals, Option B, Power Moves. Adam received his BA from Harvard University, his PhD from the University of Michigan. So, yeah, thank you, Adam Grant, for those magnificent 11 habits of highly successful people. Okay, let's get into Major League Baseball a little bit and just go over uh, some of the free agents. We talked about Craig Council uh, yesterday. It's sort of putting a bow on that. I saw some of Craig's comments, and this is a dude that we used to own racehorses together. Uh, one of the, the better teammates that I ever had in baseball, just a stand-up guy, a guy I really enjoyed being around. And what counts was talking about was that he had this very unique opportunity to become the highest paid manager in the history of major league baseball to go from Milwaukee to Chicago. And something that he said that really warmed my heart was that he knew that his decision was going to affect a lot of people, whether that was his family members, whether it was members within the Milwaukee Brewers organization members within the Chicago Cubs organization. Look, David Ross specifically, uh, there was a real trickle-down effect from Craig Council's decision to leave Milwaukee and take over the managerial duties of the Chicago Cubs. But lest I remind everyone here, as much as we want to try to think about all these people in our lives and how maybe our decision could affect everybody else. Ultimately, we need to do what's right for us. And then we need to 
prioritize our passions. And so in Craig's sense here, his passion is baseball. His passion is family. And although, yeah, it's going to be difficult for some people in Milwaukee and within that organization to move on past count. And I'll say it's going to be difficult for David Ross. Look, David Ross, in my opinion, has got to be one of the most highly sought after managers out there right now. If he still wants to manage, this guy could do whatever the fuck he wants to do. If he wants to do TV, does TV, he can make seven figures doing that. Although I think he could command a lot more uh, now that Craig Council is getting paid $8 million a year, David Ross has got to find himself in the four range. He actually is going to figure out a way how to get a raise, I'm guessing, out of this. But if I were a general manager, someone in the ownership group looking for the next manager, let's say, for example, if Bob Melvin hadn't been hired by the San Francisco Giants, I'd be screaming from the mountaintop to hire David Ross. That's how much I think of him. I played with him in the Dominican Republic. I played against him. Uh, a guy that just really knows the game, a people's person, someone who understands. Uh, there's a humility uh, about him, but there's also the ability to communicate with the guys. Uh, he has that ability also to stand up when he needs to, uh, to be accountable. So anyhow, I'm glad that Counts made the decision he made. Yeah, it sucks for a lot of people, at least in the short term. But remember this, folks. Life isn't about what happens to us. It's how we react. And I think so long as everyone reacts with a positive mindset going forward, charging forward, uh, the situation in Milwaukee and in Chicago will work itself out just fine. Okay, on to the free agents. This is what matters this offseason. Where will these guys end up? You're wondering if some of the managerial decisions could make an impact on where these guys go. I'll be the first to tell you, being a free agent myself once and having the opportunity to sign wherever I wanted to, Bob Melvin was a huge reason I signed in Arizona. I knew I had a manager who believed in me. This is somebody that was from the Bay Area. I had a relationship with, not super tight, but enough to know that this guy was going to give me every opportunity and he wasn't going to panic if I struggled. That's what you want out of your manager. Somebody that believes in you, knows the skills that you possess, knows how to put you in a position to succeed, and then is not going to freak out when shit doesn't go well. Bob Melvin was that guy for me. I'll be forever thankful for him. So obviously the top free agent, Shohei Otani. The prediction here on MLB.com of where he ends up. The Los Angeles Dodgers. It says, our voters overwhelmingly chose the Dodgers as Otani's next team with the Giants finishing a distant second. The second free agent, top free agent right here. MLB.com's prediction of where Blake Snell the Southpaw, who had been pitching in San Diego, ends up the St. Louis Cardinals. Ha! Huh. It says the margin here was razor thin, but our voters have Snell signing with the Cardinals, who narrowly edged the Dodgers in the balloting by a single vote. So I guess they had 
I don't know if it's experts or fans or whoever, but there was a vote on where these guys might end up. And at the Cardinals, I Cardinal fans don't get too excited. I don't think it's happening. I just don't. I mean, you're Blake Snell. You go anywhere you want in the fucking world. Like I, I like the Cardinals. But that's why the Cardinals trade for players and then get the players to love St. Louis and then sign them. A la Mark McGuire, a la Matt Holiday. The list goes on and on and on and on. They bring them in. They show them how great it is. And then they retain them. But to sign top free agents, yeah, I just don't think that, uh, don't think that's going to fly. Not if you have the opportunity to go do, and I don't know what he likes, but either New York, I imagine he's going to have an opportunity to stay in San Diego. He could stay in Southern California and just go to LA, go to Anaheim, go a lot of places. St. Louis would not be on the top of my list right there. All right, the third one here, and I love how this guy's a top free agent because a year ago, it was like, he was he going to have a job as a question? My dude who was doing backflips in my pool at 11 years old in Arizona, Cody Bellinger. It says here, the Yankees, of course. That's where his dad played. Another close one here, but by one vote, our experts have Bellinger going to the Bronx rather than re-signing with the Cubs. Fuck that, man. I, I find Bellinger, re-sign with the Cubs. See, that's the perfect example of, hey, you traded for him, you got him in there. Aren't they trade for him as a free agent sign? But he comes in, has success. You're not, don't screw it up. It's the same reason why I signed with Arizona. I didn't even hit free agency. They eventually got to the number I wanted. And I, when you have something and it's going well, why fuck it up? And I'm also, the funny thing is, is that the next year I got hurt. Well, I would have much rather say been hurt in that situation who knows if it happens if i went somewhere else whatever it's just life but being in a place where i'd already done something and they knew what i could do as opposed to coming in and you're hurt and you have that then it's just no so for bellinger he's established himself in chicago the fans know what he can do the organization knows what he can do you have craig council coming in which you know it's a i think it, i don't know if you call it a wash call it whatever you want but between craig council and david ross like they're probably 1A and 1B, and Melvin would be 1C of managers that I'd want to play for. Dave Roberts, 1D. There's my top four. I think we ought to do that. After all the managerial jobs are secure, let's go ahead and rate all the managers 1 to 30. Yeah. All right, the next one here, Josh Hader. So Henry did an Instagram post on this last week when I had the shit audio. I didn't repost it. It was just the audio was so bad. But they're saying that this guy might command a $100 million price tag. I, I think it's asinine. I, I just am not one to put $100 million into a reliever. I just can't do it. But would I give up? A lot of money for one year? Yeah, I would. So, for example, if you want to go like, um, I don't know, one for 20, one for 25 for a lever, and you're the Texas Rangers, fuck yeah, go for it. 
Why not? When you have a World Series type team and you know you just need that arm there to either keep you there or put you over the top, that's a good investment. So I would pay more on the short-term deal as opposed to committing a lot of money over a number of years to relievers that, quite frankly, just get hurt too much. It's as simple as that. All right, and then the last one here that we'll go over is Aaron Nola. Phillies. Uh, it says he's been a Philly for all nine seasons of his major league career thus far. And over that period, he's been one of the better starting pitchers in the NL, not to mention very dependable. So it's no surprise that a majority of voters in our poll have no longer turning to sign with the Phillies. That just looks like a fun team to play for. If you're a superstar like that, and you know the Phillies have a fuck ton of money. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and stick with them. All right, we're 49 minutes into the program. I know that because we actually started on time for the first time ever. I appreciate everyone joining, uh, including RJ. What's up, dude? Boise, Idaho. John Davis. Good morning to you out there in Collierville, Tennessee. John Emmanuel Ramos Henderson in Makati City. Amo. Chattanooga. Michelle Drew. Stephen Luker. The normal cast of characters. Come on tonight. Hunter Pence unfiltered. 5 p.m. Pacific time. Hit the knock button. Come on to the stream. Join us. It's going to be a good one. This is something that I'm going to have my kids watch. I'm not messing around with it. It is one that we're going to push and promote uh, pretty hard throughout the course of the day. Again, this goes to Hunter having a shit ton of experience, a shit ton of education, and tonight is going to be an awesome opportunity for him to share a lot of that with us. Let's not forget he is a dude that quoted Voltaire during his playing career. It's just beautiful. All right, on that note, you know what? Let's do this. Let's end with a Voltaire quote before we get out of here on this hump day. <sighs> Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities. It's true. I think it's relevant with our government right now and our policies right now. They're making you believe absurdities, which is that you can get away with this and that life's just going to foster a fucking criminal environment and it's going to allow you to get away with atrocities. That's not the case. Thank you, Voltaire, for that. And also, judge a man by his questions rather than his answers. That's so good. And yes, RJ, Stormy Burns out on the scene back yesterday. I'll give you the current uh, weather report here in Truckee, California. 28 degrees, abundant sunshine, and it snowed the past two days. All right, dudes. I'll see everyone tonight, 5 o'clock. Don't be afraid to tell a friend. That's it. See ya!